0: Marks two years since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And two years ago this weekend, we left New York to come upstate and live in our weekend house for what has now been a two-year long weekend. And only now are we beginning to think this pandemic may be ending. We may be starting to return to the city and resume what had been our old habits to actually doing things face-to-face, in person. Yet during these two years, I must say I've grown completely accustomed to this way of working and teaching. It really has become a kind of new normal for me. So that I think the return to the city and return to teaching and working in person is going to feel as strange and in some ways as disruptive and unnatural As moving up here and starting to do everything online felt two years ago. There's a way I've simply settled in to this way of living. I think people have been very different about that. I think for some people, it's natural to look towards the return of the way things used to be, look forward to the way you hope they'll become, it's the way when you're sick, you look forward to being better again. Although there too, I have to admit, I tend to settle into being sick when I'm sick. As if I feel like, well, now this is how things are. I'll just live this way. I'm not attributing this to any particular uh, great insight or wisdom in my part. It might simply be a kind of personality type. The sort that Strawson talks about when he talks about the transient versus enduring personality types. But we just notice how we adapt to changing circumstances. How our practice fits in or informs the way we adapt. Most of you are probably very familiar with the old story. Zen Master Ma, who when he was sick, actually on his deathbed, his attendant came to him and asked him how he was doing. And the old master said, Sun face Buddha, moon face Buddha. And the commentaries on the story explain that the sun face Buddha is a Buddha that lives for 1800 years. But the moon face Buddha lives for just one day. Master Ma is understood as asserting that to be the Buddha one day is just as complete and fulfilling an existence as to be the Buddha that lives for eighteen hundred years. And in a Zen context, we tend to nod sagely. I think that uh, we can uh, agree with that, that just being totally present is all there is. Duration means nothing. But when we bring it back into our everyday lives, it's not so easy. Perhaps some of you. Uh, Saw the Tom Stoppard uh, set of plays called The Coast of Utopia uh, when they were performed a few years back. Uh, they're based uh, on the lives of uh, many 19th century socialists, particularly the visionary Alexander Herzen. And there's a particular scene in there in which Hertzon, who is an exile in England, is awaiting his wife and child, his son, to come by boat to join him. And he learns that there's been a shipwreck and everyone is drowned. (laughs) And in the play, Stoppard gives Hertzon this very moving speech in which refuses to mourn the death of his son in a conventional kind of way, as if this child's life has been tragically cut short. He says rather that we should feel that this boy had a wonderful, loving childhood that was completely complete, complete in itself, as childhood. And that we should perish and remember the completeness and joy of that time of life and not think of it simply as a truncated version of something else. Very powerful, very touching, and of course very counterintuitive. More natural, I think, than mourning the death of a child. Hudson's response is very much equivalent to sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha. He shows us just how hard it is to really translate that into ordinary life. What it sounds like when we try to bring it out of comfortable Buddhist context and into something that really touches us every day. I think Strawson, in the readings we're discussing, is attempting to do something similar. And I think it's useful to see how jarring some of these ideas are, uh, that in some logical or philosophical way are equivalent to what we read in the old koans. But when translated into the proposition that nothing is lost if we were to simply aimlessly and immediately die in our sleep, instinctively recoil and we're not going to buy that Strauss is trying to make a kind of case that says the future is not the sort of thing that you can lose and the self is not the sort of thing that can lose it Much easier to swallow, I think, when we hear it in an old story about uh, Chinese Zen masters than when we think about it in our own life. Right now, we are all sort of on the cusp of transition, not knowing what's coming next. On one hand, as the pandemic seems to be winding down, we can imagine a return to what felt like normal. On the other hand, especially for those view of Europe, the war in Ukraine has uh, completely upended our sense of normal, what can befall us, what life can hold. It may be that that's ushering in years of instability that we can't predict or understand now any more than two years ago we could have understood or predicted what these last two years were going to be like our this says we have to simply see our life is completely defined by what's happening now, not clinging to the past, not hoping for a different kind of future, when you're sick, when you're at war, who can do that? I hope by juxtaposing some of these different ways of thinking about things in the koan and how we're confronting the pandemic, how we're facing the prospect of war in Europe. How we read in Strauss a philosophical account of self that goes against all our common sense. Let these different experiences rub up against each other, get into some kind of conflict. I think it's how we see how our sense of self is really organized at a uh, genuine and emotional level. It helps us uh, not settle too comfortably into some old Zen cliches.